Well, it's good to have you here with us at Wilshire. I appreciate if you're longtime members, great to have you here. If you're longtime members who can't be present with us physically, but you're online, great to have you here. And if you're visiting with us, it's great to have you here. Uh, my voice isn't all the way back, but it, maybe it's getting a little better. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, some of you I know are praying about that. Uh, I'm grateful for that. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I appreciate your prayers. We're continuing our study of Job. And one of the things that's striking about the book of Job, though it's written by people of the covenant, it's written by Hebrew, it's about people outside the covenant. Job and his friends are all people who are outside the covenant, probably from, I think the rabbis decided it was probably Edom. Uh, the later rabbis thought he was a king of Edom, a descendant of Esau, great-grandson or a grandson. So these are all supposed to be people who really don't know anything about the Bible. They don't really have the revelation of Mount Sinai. They don't have the covenant. They don't have the kind of advantages you have. You're one of the people of the book. You have God's word. These people don't have that. And so one of the things that the book of Job does for us is it shows us what people without direct revelation from God, the word of God, what they know already about God. Job and his friends are wise. They've thought hard. And they have realized things about God. You know, Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understand from what has been made. And Job and his friends are a great illustration of that. That although God doesn't force belief in him on any human being, he lays out enough clues of his presence that a good heart can seek him and come to him. And Job and his friends, they all know there's a God. And they testify to various characteristics of God. If you, if you go through the dialogue, it's, most of the book is set up as, as debates, a back and forth. Job will complain. His friends will try to answer him. Their answers will be terrible. Job will tell them why. Then they will try and answer again. And he will tell them why that's no good either. That's the form of the book. But in the midst of all of that debate, they testify to what they know to be true about God. Job says in chapter 9, he, that's God, is wise in heart, mighty in strength. Mighty is one of the main terms that the book of Job uses for God. El Shaddai, the Almighty. He is mighty in strength. Who has resisted him and succeeded? He who removes mountains. They don't know it. 
when he overturns them in his anger, who shakes the earth out of its place, its pillars tremble, who commands the sun, it doesn't rise, who seals up the stars, who alone stretched out the heavens, trampled the waves of the sea, who made the bear and Orion, the Pleiades and the chambers of the south, who does great things beyond understanding, marvelous things beyond number. Look, he passes by me. I do not see him. He moves on. I do not perceive him. I know that God's there even though he's invisible to my eyes because all this glory that he made, I can see and I know the creator through the visible world. Job says, think of the power and majesty of the created world. Think of the power of the earthquake. Think of the power and majesty of the stars in the sky. Now think of the hand that could make such things. And you're beginning to catch an inkling, just the tiniest inkling of the power of the God that is the creator. Later, Job talks again in chapter 26. Sheol, that's the place of the dead, the grave in Hebrew. Sheol is naked before God. Abaddon has no covering. He stretches out Zaphon over the void and hangs the earth upon nothing. He binds up the waters in his thick clouds. The cloud is not torn open by them. He covers the face of the full moon. He spreads over it his cloud. He has described a circle on the face of the waters and the boundary between the light and the darkness. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astounded at his rebuke. By his power, he stilled the sea. By his understanding, he struck down Rahab. Rahab is a Canaanite word that is another name for the sea regarded as a great monster a great threat to order and to a living space for human beings. This monster Rahab threatens to just take over the land and drown all human life. But it's God who makes that not happen. By his wind, the heavens were made fair. His hands pierced that fleeting serpent. Again, that's Rahab. There are indeed but the outskirts of his ways, and how small a whisper do we hear of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? Job says, if you think about how magnificent the world is, and you form a, an image of a God powerful enough to cre create the entire universe, your brain hasn't even begun to grasp but a whisper of the actual power of God. These guys don't have the Bible. You get that? They don't have the word of God telling them in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. They don't have the word of God saying is anything too hard for the Lord? They don't have any of that, but they've got their minds and their wisdom and the world that they look at and they realize the creator of the world must be 
so powerful that our minds cannot understand him. Even without the Bible, Job and his friends know that God is the ruler of creation. That's the first thing that the book of Job testifies to. Look over at Job 28. If you don't have a study sheet, you can turn over there. Job 28, verses 20 through 28. Uh, And this is what Mason read for us. Where does wisdom come from? Where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon and death say, we have heard the rumor of it. Abaddon is just the word for destruction. Destruction and death say, we have heard a rumor of it with our ears. God understands the way of it, and he knows its place. For he looks to the end of the earth, and he sees everything under heavens. When he gave to the wind its weight, and appointed out the waters by measure, when he made a decree for the rain, and a way for the thunderbolt, when he saw it and declared it, he established it, and searched it out, and he said to humankind, truly, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Job and his friends, even without the Bible, Job and his friends know that God knows everything. There's nothing hidden. We don't know what death is like. We're on this side. We don't know the source of destruction. We don't know, but God knows. (laughs) Again and again and again. God's understanding is not limited like ours is. So what's there for us to do as humans? Fear God. Respect God. Put God first. That's the beginning of being a wise person. That's the beginning of being an understanding person. Start with God. That's what Job and his friends testify to. They don't have the benefit of the Bible. They don't have the benefit of Revelation. But they know. But they know. One of Job's friend, Eliphaz, says this. Turn over to Job 22. Turn, flip back to Job 22. Look at verses, we'll start in verse 1, we'll go down to verse 3. And Eliphaz the Temanite said, Can a man be of benefit to God? Can even a wise person benefit him? What pleasure would it give the Almighty if you were righteous? What would he gain if you were blameless? A little bit later, they're going to say, and by the way, nobody is righteous and nobody is blameless if you compare to God. But even if you manage to pull it off, human, what would you add to God? The third characteristic of God 
is a really profound characteristic. It's one of the things that separates many of the ways that people imagine divinity, many of the ways people imagine the gods and the true God. Even without the Bible, Job and his friends know that God doesn't need anything from us. <clears throat> the stories that surrounded the Hebrews, the stories that surrounded the writers of the Old Testament, said that the gods required sacrifice. The peoples of Mesopotamia, they had a story of the flood too. And for the people of Mesopotamia, the flood was a horrible mistake because the gods realized, oh, without humans, we don't have anybody to sacrifice for us. And now we're starving to death. Gods somehow depend on the smell of the sacrifices to, to sustain them, to feed them. So they have to repopulate the earth. There's a similar version of that in Greek mythology, in Roman mythology. The gods depend on human sacrifice. There's a similar version of that. Not the flood story, but the sacrifice, the dependence of the gods on sacrifice. Similar version of that in Hindu thought. That the gods need you to come and offer sacrifice to sustain them and to please them. <coughs> but Job and his friends, just thinking about it, wait a minute. If God's the creator, they don't have the benefit of the Bible. They don't have the benefit of Psalms 50 or any of those other passages that inform us. But without the benefit of that, they said, wait a minute, if God's the creator, what is it I could possibly do to give him something he doesn't already have? What is it I could possibly do that would impress him. If I were to sacrifice 10,000 animals, wait a minute, he made all the animals. They're all his. If I were to dedicate to him all the gold that exists in the universe, well, he made that in the first place. If I were to spend my life in perfect righteousness, <coughs> if I were to do everything that he asks of me, day in and day out, never wavering, well, given the fact that he created me and he gives me every breath in my body, every thought, Ability to have any thought in my head. That's what I owe him to start with. That doesn't impress him. That doesn't gain me credit with him at all. <coughs> I can't do anything to meet a need in God, to make up a lack in God. I'm unable to do that. <coughs> Job and his friends know that. 
They are missing some knowledge. We'll get to that later. We need revelation to tell us some things about the grace of God. But they understand if God's truly the source of everything around us, then we can't take a piece of what's around us, give it back to God, and think we've done something special. Look down at, <clears throat> turn all the way back to Job chapter 4 for this last bit. This is Eliphaz speaking. Can mortals be righteous before God? Can human beings be pure before their maker? Even in his sermon, even in his servants, he puts no trust. And his angels, he charges with error. How much more those who live in houses of clay, whose foundations are in the dust, who are crushed like a moth. Eliphaz says, God even sees that his angels aren't perfect, let alone us human beings. Look over at Job 15. This is Eliphaz again. Job 15 down in verse 14. What are mortals that they can be clean or those born of women that they can be righteous? God puts no trust even in his holy ones and the heavens are not clean in his sight. Same idea. If you're a human being and you're comparing yourself to the holiness of God, you know that you don't stand righteous before him. Finally, Job 25, verses 4 through 6. This is Bildad this time. How can even a mortal be righteous before God? How can one born of a woman be pure? If even the moon is not bright and the stars aren't pure in his eyes, how much less a mortal who is but a maggot, a human being who is only a worm? Eliphaz, Bildad, Job, Elihu, they need some knowledge that only revelation can supply what God has decided to do with human beings. But they understand that if God is real and they've come to believe he has to be, then he's so perfect that human beings always stand guilty before God. <clears throat> God's not like the gods of the idolaters. His eye can't be blinded with sacrifices. His vision is not limited to one part of the earth or one uh, zone of creation. God sees everything. He knows even what's going on inside my heart. He knows the secret thoughts of my mind, the stuff I hide from you, the stuff I hide from me. The lies I tell my, God knows all of that. I am an open book to him. And I do not stand worthy before him if I'm judged by his holiness. Even without the Bible, Job and his friends know that we are guilty before God. God is the master of the creation. 
God knows everything. There's nothing I can do to be of service to God or to give anything that God lacks. And I stand guilty before God. I desperately, desperately, desperately need God to give me grace. What Bildad and Elihu and Eliphaz and Job, what none of them know is the pathways of grace that God out of love gives to his people. They don't understand the covenant that God has made. They don't know the plan that God has to bless the world and to offer forgiveness of sins. But they know God is a perfect God and a good God. And interestingly enough, even without Scripture, we see that they have some kind of an inkling that a God like this must somehow be good to us even in spite of our sins. We'll talk about that more in future sermons. For right now, I want you to understand this. Paul said that what can be known about God is evident through the things that are created so that we are without excuse. God says, you can know me through my people, you can know me through my revelation, and you can know me every day of your life through the creation that I've given you. Day in and day out, I testify to you who I am and what it is that I want. For each one of us, we are called to serve and love our Creator. Let's each one of us dedicate ourselves to that calling. Let's pray. Dear God and Father, we thank you for your many blessings to us. We thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. God, we are so grateful that we are not in the dark, that you have been willing to speak to us through your word and show us your heart through your revelation and finally through your Son. And God, we are grateful to be numbered among your people. God, help us to be faithful to our calling and be faithful to you. These things we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. If you need to respond to God's invitation to receive prayers or help or today put on Jesus in baptism, we invite you to come as we stand and are led in song.